The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. Ham Radio 360 Podcast. This time through ICOM and their brand new gear announcements. How about some GNU Radio with Gerald KF5JNU. All that and more coming up. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast with your host, Kale Nelson. K4CDN. Hey friends, how are you? So nice to have you stop back by Ham Radio 360 Podcast. I love doing the show, love hanging out here with you, getting getting feedback from you guys and, and knowing that uh, you're enjoying the program, what we're doing here. You're getting something out of the, uh, the effort that we put into the program, which is always great to hear, as well as being entertained and uh, challenged even. So thank you so much for this opportunity to share this time with you. My name's Kale. My call is K4CDN. I am an upstate South Carolina general class licensee and uh, have been podcasting in this this mode here for about two and a half plus years. Really, really stoked to continue to do it for you. So thank you again and again and again. Hey, I got to say a big thank you too to our show sponsor, primary show sponsor as mtcradio.com, main trading company was founded in a guy's garage, okay? So was Amazon, right? (laughs) It's not Bezos. We're talking about Richard Lenore down in Paris, Texas at Main Trading Company. It's a mom-and-pop shop, one of the highest-volume dealers in the country for all of the gear that you're looking for. I tell you this every time I'm on the air, and I have to tell you again this week, if you have a need that requires amateur radio gear, whether it's radios, anything, coaxial cable, whatever you're looking for, Give them a call, let them know you heard about them on the show, and enjoy the best deal you can find. I'm, I'm just shooting straight with you guys. They do good business. I wouldn't tell you that if I didn't believe it with all of my heart. So if you're looking for a new supplier, maybe you you found something online, you're, you're kind of teetering back and forth, you know, give them a call. Let them make you the best deal that they can. And I, I'm telling you, you'll walk away a happy person. Great business every single time I've, I've, I've done anything with them. I've always been happy, and I'm sure you will be too. It's Main Trading Company. Now, especially if you have some ICOM needs, they've got the deals for you. Richard is the king of trades. If you're looking to trade something in against a new rig, maybe you're looking for one of those 7300s. Everybody is. They've got them, and they'll do you the best deal that you can find. Anything that you need with ICOM written on it, they've got it. If you need something from ICOM, you can find it at mtcradio.com. One of the best and fastest growing dealers in the country, mtcradio.com. Now, speaking of ICOM, George and I and Jeremy have uh, extended our hands to all of the uh, the big three to kind of get some feedback from them regarding their latest products that have come out since Hamvention, since the last time we chatted with them. George, George won the race. He got Will from ICOM before we got uh, Chris from Kenwood, and I think Jeremy's, I'm sorry, Chris from <laughs> Yezu, and, and Jeremy's working on Kenwood, but Anyway, I wanted to get this out there to you as soon as we could. George sits down with Will from ICOM. They chat about all things ICOM, and I really believe you're going to enjoy this interview. George, I appreciate you doing this for us. It sounds great. A lot of good stuff in here, and I'm just going to turn the show over to him. We'll be back with uh, Gerald, KF5JNU, in just a few minutes. But, George, take it away. So today we have Will from ICOM joining us to talk about what's new in the world of ICOM radios. Thanks for being with us, Will. Uh, Thanks for having me, George. It's a pleasure to be here. So we want to find out what's new with ICOM. I know there were some new announcements at the Ham Fair recently in Japan, so maybe we could touch on that and other things that are going on at ICOM. So what's new in your world? 
Well, you mentioned the ham fair. Of course, that was fairly recently, middle of uh, middle of this month. It was middle of uh, August. There were four big announcements made at the uh, Tokyo Ham Fair, so we're quite excited. It's uh, it's an exciting time to uh, uh, to be a member of the ICOM team. Uh, those four big announcements uh, were, uh, of course, the new version of the ID51A, the ID51A Plus Two. Uh, we're going to be calling it. So the current version is the Plus. The new versions will be the Plus Two. Uh, the Plus Two is going to have some pretty nifty functionality built in. The ID51A Plus Two being the new version of the ID51A+, is going to have some new features uh, that will make using the DSTAR network at large, we think, a little bit easier, a little more streamlined, a little more uh, inclusive uh, with just the one radio. So folks who are familiar with, say, the uh, the DVAP uh, or the DV dongle or the uh, various other third-party products out there that serve as access points to the DSTAR network, that functionality will now be wrapped into the new version of the 51A+, Plus, uh, the Plus 2. That's so going to be quite exciting to see. Uh, we're looking forward to getting our hands on that and, and playing with it and seeing just what all we can do with it. We do know that it's going to require a, a USB connection between your computer and the radio itself, but that USB cable is planned to be included uh, with the new version of the radio. So it'll be nice and easy to take full advantage of those features right out of the gate and start playing as soon as you get your hands on one. So if I understand that right, what that means is you would have the new ID51 Plus 2 as the access point plugged into the PC. Then you'd have a separate handheld radio or mobile radio to talk to that, correct? That is, uh, that is the idea as we understand it currently, as I say, uh, given that we haven't had a chan- uh, chance to really get our hands on one and play with it yet. I know I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll know more uh, right now, all the details that are available have been made available to everyone online. So for those folks out there curious uh, about the ID51A or any of the other products that we talk about here today, uh, all of the details currently are available online as far as uh, as far as we can uh, as far as we can make them available at this point. Do you, do you know if they mentioned if it would support Linux or Mac OS or is it Windows based? Currently, all of our software is Windows based. Uh, there is no support for you know uh, your your Mac OS or Linux systems at this time. I don't know if that's planned. I have to imagine we'll probably stay stay Windows based for a good amount of time. Most of most of the ham software out these out there these days is uh, the Windows side of the the world. So, do you know what the price point is going to be? Is that a replacement for the current fifty one? You know, it will be a replacement, but uh, as far as pricing is concerned, we do not have anything at this time. So, what else was new at the at the fair? So uh, a couple new receivers uh, that we announced as well. So uh, they are going to be the R30, which is a handheld receiver. Uh, It's replacing the old R20. Uh, And then we also are going to have the R8600, which is going to replace the R8500. Uh, So those are uh, the two new receivers that are uh, planned to come out. The uh, 8500, of course, planned to be a, or excuse me, the 8600 is going to be a desktop unit, uh, very similar in appearance to the 7300. Uh, and it will be uh, a software-defined receiver, uh, similar to the software-defined transceiver that is the 7300. So, Will, when you come out with a new receiver, why would somebody buy a receiver only as opposed to a transceiver? Because when I think about those radios, I think that they're an HF receiver. Why would I get that instead of a transceiver? Well, the the primary focus with the transceiver is, of course, 
top-notch receive quality within the frequencies in which it'll transmit. So obviously for the 7300, the primary focus is the HF handbands. Uh, with a dedicated receiver, we obviously don't have to worry about the transmit side of things. So it can be, uh, it, it can really focus on being just a much more uh, broad receive uh, machine. So for instance, with the 8600, it's planned to be uh, 0 0.01 to 3 gigahertz receive range, uh, unless of course your cellular frequencies there. Uh, so, you know, it's going to have just DC to daylight, as they say, right? It'll receive, <laughs> it'll receive just about everything there is. Plus with the 8600, uh, we plan to have it be able to listen to, uh, several digital modes that are out there currently. So, uh, of course our D star, uh, technology, we plan to have it be able to listen to, uh, P25, uh, for public safety and things like that. NXDN. Uh, and then DPMR as well. So those uh, those four digital modes, the R eighty six hundred will be able to uh, receive and listen to as well. So that it does have quite a few more features. So that's that's a pretty pretty powerful radio. Do you know what the uh, the price of that is? I'm afraid that for uh, for all of these new products that we've announced in Tokyo, the uh, the pricing has not been uh, made available yet. But the f form factor of that is similar to the seventy three hundred with the big color display, right? That's correct. Yeah, the body uh, will be uh, the footprint, I suppose, as it were, will be uh, very nearly identical to the seventy three hundred. The primary differences, as far as we can tell, will be strictly with the faceplate. So let's talk about the seventy three hundred for a minute. Even though that was not announced in the last month, it's it's a very new radio, and there's just a huge amount of buzz around that radio. So, what are the reasons that you think that's become so popular? Well, the primary reason, and, and a great reason to to talk about it here, is because I think it's it's something new and it's something that people uh, got excited about very very quickly upon learning w just what the 7300 was going to be. Uh, all of that, of course, is in reference to the fact that it is a software-defined radio. Um, software. We, we're by no means the first manufacturer to release a software-defined radio. We do have one of what we like to the first one of the first what we like to call standalone software-defined radios, though. So, uh, for a long time, one of the main detractors from the from the appeal of the uh, software-defined radios for a lot of folks was the fact that you could only use them with a computer. Uh, so, in other words, the only interaction you had was through your computer monitor with a mouse and with a keyboard. That's obviously by no means the case with the 7300. It's, uh, again, as we say, a standalone unit. So as it sits on the desktop with a piece of coax coming in the back and a power cable to, to give it some electricity, uh, that's all you need. You're off to the races at that point. Uh, so no PC required. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, as, as a user, you don't really even need to know that it's an SDR. I mean, that's interesting, and it probably gives you a bunch of features and maybe future expandability. But you interact with it just like any other radio. That's exactly right, and that was very, that's very important. And that's one of the things that people, uh, I think, find most appealing about it. I'll, I'll oftentimes be showing it off at a show uh, or, or something like that, and somebody will come up to me who's uh, you know not – done any kind of research online or they've not heard about it from their buddies or anything like that and they just see it as you know the new icom radio and i'll be showing it to them and we'll go through you know the 10 cent tour and uh we'll get to the point and i'll mention something about sdr or software defined and they'll you know they'll 
their head will snap to the side. They'll look at me funny and I say, really now it, it, it is. And I say, it, you know, it truly, truly is. It's direct sampling. It's an honest to goodness SDR. It's got all the benefits of an SDR inside with all of the trappings of your traditional ham radio right down to, you know, that big old VFO knob in the corner uh, on the outside. So I guess there's two things that pop into my mind of why that might be popular. One is as radio's specs for the price goes, it seems like the 7300 is really hitting a sweet spot. It's a really good radio with a lot of great features. But in the future, I'm curious to see if ICOM will come out with future software enhancements that could offer some significant new capabilities. Do, do you see that? Is that part of the reason why they're going in that direction? You know, I, I'm not sure what exactly the roadmap has planned for us as, as, you know, as we look forward, you know, a year, two years into the future. But I will say that you are correct. It is entirely possible for something like that to be accomplished. And the possibilities, I think, uh, for um, for tweaking this radio throughout the course of its lifespan are much greater uh, than what could be accomplished with an average, uh, you know, traditional, let's say, uh, radio up to this point. So what other things were announced at the ham show? Well, we talked about the uh, the 51A, the new version there. We talked about the 8600. I briefly mentioned uh, the new handheld receiver, which is the R30 to replace the R20. Uh, just real quick to talk about that. It is also, uh, you know, it's a handheld receive unit. Uh, it will also receive those uh, same four uh, digital modes, D-Star, P25, NXDM, and DPMR. Uh, so it's just going to be a nice, li- <clears throat> excuse me, a nice little, uh, you know, compact handheld receiver unit for those folks who, uh, you know, maybe travel a lot or uh, like to have something by the bedside so they can, uh, you know, keep up with their listening, uh, you know, on into the evening as well. Uh, and then finally, and this is perhaps the biggest of what was announced at the Tokyo Ham Fair, uh, is the replacement for the current uh, 7600. Uh, so the IC7600 uh, has a replacement now. It's going to be called the 7610. Uh, and right now, details are still, uh, as with all of these other uh, new products that we've talked about, still pretty uh, pretty forthcoming uh, out of Japan. The, uh, the only unit uh, in existence right now, or at least the only unit that's been shown, is obviously the one that was in Tokyo. That unit was under glass. Uh, <laughs> It was there. It was uh, it was lit up. It had power, uh, and everyone was able to see it and take pictures of it. Uh, so those are uh, relatively easy to find online uh, with just a, a brief Google search. But uh, right now, details, as I say, are still pretty forthcoming. And, and likewise, pricing and availability are also uh, not within the scope of something that we know right now. So seeing the photograph of that, it looks like a big 7300. And I'm wondering, is it, do you know, is that a software-defined radio also? Uh, yes, sir. It will be. Uh, we've also got uh, things that I do know that I can share with you. Uh, so you can see, as folks look up the nice big picture, you will see, as George says, it's, uh, it's very similar looking to the 7300. I happen to think that it looks really nice. I'm looking forward to it. Um, that big screen that you'll see is also a touchscreen similar to what we have with the 7300. Uh, don't know the exact size on that screen yet, although it does uh, seem to be a good bit bigger than the 7300. It is a bigger radio, of course, as you can tell from the pictures as well. Uh, another exciting feature that I'm the, that we're really looking forward to uh, to having on uh, a radio like this is the direct video output off of the back. So 
uh, similar to what we can do currently with our two uh, flagship HF radios, our 7851 and our 7700, uh, we will be able to bring a, a direct video output off the back of the 7610 and allow you to drive a television or a computer monitor and provide you with a direct one-to-one of uh, the display that is on the uh, built-in touchscreen. Uh, so that's a, a feature that was familiar to folks who use the old 7000, for instance. It had the uh, composite video output. Uh, and then, of course, I mentioned the 7851 and 7700 as well. Having having the radios up on the nice big screen, you know, for for folks with with bad eyes like I've got, it's a, it's a big it's a big plus. <laughs> so, is that a composite out, or did they do a like a computer video output? You know, it's it's not going to be composite. I can certainly tell you that. Yeah, I was hoping that was the answer. <laughs> uh, de- definitely not composite there. The uh, 7700 features a VGA output, and the 7851 actually features a DVI output. So that's that's a high-definition protocol analogous to uh, HDMI, same, same video protocol there. Uh, I don't know for certain. The hope would, of course, be for the DVI, uh, but I do know that it will have direct video out of some kind. Have to oh, have to nice. imagine it'll probably be high def. That, that's awesome. Do you know what the bands are besides HF? If it goes up above thirty, uh, just uh, six meters in addition to, to HF. Okay, great. And I assume that's a hundred watt transceiver. Uh, I would have to say yes. I actually uh, haven't seen that confirmed a hundred percent, but it would be. Uh, almost unimaginable. So, so we know it. We know it exists. We just don't know too much about it yet, since there's only been one. Details uh-huh. are super nebulous right now. It's it's. Uh, I'm I'm digging as deep as I can, but they're hard to come by. Well, the 7600 as a conventional analog with DSP radio was a was a super popular radio, really well built radio, and I I would imagine that the 7610 is. Replacing that, but built on the 7300 architecture, uh, would be my guess, being that it's coming out, you know, in sequence and it looks similar to it. So uh, probably that's what I would guess the guts would be. That's safe to say. You know, it's the the release time or at least the announcement time is, um, you know, not not too far behind the 7300, as you say. So, um, you know, it's not uh, not unfair to say that the two radios will share some similarities. Mm hmm. Well, that's great. Is there anything else going on at ICOM that we should be aware of? Uh, new products-wise, uh, the announcements at the Ham Fair pretty well, uh, pretty well cover uh, what we're looking at. Uh, you know, moving forward uh, into the coming year, uh, we're hoping some of these radios will be available, uh, or at least we'll have a much more firm idea of when they will be available uh, around the time of Dayton next year. So uh, big changes for Dayton and uh, some big changes for ICOM as well. So we're looking forward to that time. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, I want to thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing some of these new radios. Thanks a bunch, Will. Really appreciate it. It was a genuine pleasure, George. Again, thanks for having me on. 73s. Take care. 73s. Hi, Dan, KB6NU here. Whether you're studying for your tech license or looking to upgrade to general or extra, you should check out my no-nonsense amateur radio license study guides. Written in my easy-to-understand, no-nonsense style, they really are the easiest way to learn what you need to know to pass the test. And they are always up to date. The PDF version of the Technician Class Study Guide is free on my website at kb6nu.com podcast. And all my study guides are available in print, PDF, Kindle, and EPUB versions. Let me help you have more fun with ham radio. Go to kb6nu.com slash podcast 
and get started today. Well, I really missed getting to catch up with Ron from Bridgecom at the Shelby Ham Fest a few weeks back in North Carolina. It's a great ham fest, and and I took my BCM220. That's the 220 megahertz, 30 watt single band mobile rig that Bridgecom is now manufacturing, selling here in the states. I can I, I'm telling you, if I'd have had them with me, I would have sold a bunch of them. I can't tell you how enthused, excited, uh, surprised, insert your, your adjective there. People were stoked to see a new single band, easy to operate 220 megahertz rig on the market. So if you're looking for something like that, or if you're looking for a repeater, maybe a 220 handheld, they've got it all. Let me encourage you to visit my friends at bridgecomsystems.com. Yes, yeah, so welcome back to Gerald KF5JNU. This time he's back with great audio and no tape measures. Uh, yeah, Gerald, I don't know. Did you see the comment online after the last time we had you on that they said that it sounded like someone was fighting with a tape measure? Did you hear that? I think it was a, a lightsaber duel with tape measures. <laughs> that was one of the best. You know, the, you know that your audience really appreciates you when they give that much thought into, uh, into how to describe your last appearance. I um, I don't think I've ever once been on your show with good audio. If it's not a kid come running downstairs in the middle or uh, thinking that wearing headphones, you know, my iPhone headphones would be a good idea and then having them rub up against my face for the whole thing. Uh, well, when you, there's have, always... when you have the tactical beard, you know, sometimes that happens. Yeah, and as hot as it's been, it's about to get a lot less tactical. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been nasty here as well. Well, welcome back. It's been a while since we've had you on. Uh, wanted to catch up with you, see what's going on with you. Uh, most importantly, I want to just want to talk to you about a conference you recently attended. Um, was it in Vegas? Did you go out to Vegas for this last show? No. So uh, this was like a new radio conference or GNU radio, depending on uh, which camp you're in, and. Uh, it was held in Boulder, uh, okay. Boulder, Colorado. Beautiful city. But you went for the GNU radio conference, and you were texting me pictures. And, and just from what I could see from the slides that were being presented, this was so far over Kale's head, it was like a workbench episode. But I wanted to talk to you about it because there were a lot of things you learned about some upcoming stuff that the amateur hobby could could benefit from. And you even heard about one of the projects we talked about with Andrew Glassbrenner, uh, with the satellite gig. So, so fill us in on what you learned at the uh, GNU radio conference. Yeah. So, uh, just to give your listeners kind of a background, GNU radio is a, a rapid prototyping software. Um, GNU is like a free open source platform. It stands for, it's a acronym of an acronym. GNU's not Unix. Um, if you want, you can look up the free open source software and get more of an idea of what that stands for. But pretty much the idea behind GNU radio is, here is a software package which, with a whole bunch of different modules that can all be plugged together and let people rapidly prototype uh, software design. So you get you know, ones and zeros come in, you manipulate them somehow, and you get data out. And uh, it's super uh, easy to use and really fast to get these different blocks built in. So I've been messing with it for about two years now and thought you know, I had a pretty good handle on it. And when I started at that conference, uh, New Users Day, I was blown back to the seat because half of the stuff they talked about, I had no clue. I, I uh, felt like a deer in the headlights. 
but there were a lot of really good talks of uh, stuff that I could understand and relate to. So uh, we can hit those up. Uh, you mentioned the satellite talk. Can you tell me, uh, do you remember what frequencies they were planning on putting the satellite at? Oh, man, you had to put me right on the spot without any notes. Was it like, uh, it was near microwave, wasn't it? Was it 5 gig or something like that? I can't, 5 or 10 gig maybe? I'd, I'd have to go yeah. back and look. Is that what it was? Yeah, you're right. So it's going to be 5 gigahertz up and 10 gigahertz down. That's awesome. Um, the lady's name who gave the talk was Kayla. And, oh, I can't remember call. It was a uh, KD9EZO, I believe was her call. And um, she talked you know, at length about it, and it was a really good uh, presentation. The idea is... Amateur radio will get a geosynchronous satellite. So for those who don't know, your low-Earth orbit, your AO-51s and um, all the satellites that we're used to using the Aero Yagi with, they they go by about 15 minutes. Um, and you get a, a little bit, and it's got a pretty good footprint, but you never have constant access to that satellite. A geosynchronous satellite, they'll launch, and it'll follow North America, or it'll be in South America too because of the footprint. And so as the Earth turns, this satellite tracks on the same revolution. So you'll always be able to hit that satellite. Um, the benefit to that is is you're going to have constant communications. The downside to that is it's really, really far away. Um, so there, there are geosynchronous VHF and UHF satellites, but you're limited by bandwidth. Uh, by getting this, the uplink and downlink up into the microwave frequencies, you're able to increase the bandwidth of your signal. So these ground stations are going to be sending up um, you know, a massive amount of bandwidth, and they're going to allow users to have 100 channels inside of these, these uh, streams up and down. So hopefully I have a uh, guests lined up for your show in the coming weeks that can explain it a lot more. I'm not involved with the project, but uh, you know, there's on order of over a hundred chan- or right at a hundred channels inside of one of these upstreams. Uh, and so, when you start thinking of that, you you've got a pretty awesome uh, resource for, for not just amateur radio, but the emergency side of a man, uh, amateur radio. It's going to be really cool because all the guys who have who have put their Dish Network and Direct TV dishes out in the backyard under the deck or something they're going to be dragging them out begging to get them back on the air and uh <laughs> the, the ladies call it, it i'm not sure if you did get it right i just want to just make sure we do get it right to give credit where credit's due call us kilo delta nine echo zulu oscar and i only know that because of uh the text message you sent jeremy and myself and we are working towards uh bringing uh bringing that uh, topic back to the program here so, uh, in addition to the, the stuff you learned about the satellite, uh, which is just going to be out of this world, literally, sorry, bad pun, it's going to be really awesome. <laughs> and uh, But you sat through all sorts of different talks on SDRs, which I know that SDR is like your thing. And it's kind of funny because, you know, I'm just, I'm here just enjoying VHF, UHF, uh, working to get a repeater put up, but you're really digging SDRs to this day. Tell us a little bit about what you might have walked away with some SDR stuff. Yeah, so usually whenever I talk to you about SDR scale, we have a a, dis, a, a disconnect in <laughs> what I think is easy and what you think is hard. And I always say, Caleb, it's not that hard. Just go out, read a couple websites. You can do it. <laughs> well, I was definitely put in the other person's shoes. Uh, one of the talks that they had there was 
automatic mode characterization or, or automatic modulation characterization. And I thought, oh, modulation, AMFM. That's going to be a pretty cool talk. I could use this. <laughs> no, it was modulation and QAM64 or QPSK or all sorts of different, you know, much higher level uh, modulation schemes. Mm. And uh, that was a lot of what the conference was, was, you know, as hams, you know, we're pretty enamored by DMR or D-Star site linking and all this stuff. These guys are at a level of, you know, digital communications that is just amazing. Um, if anybody's interested, I highly recommend you go look up uh, DARPA has on, you know, DARPA comes out with these challenges. Uh, they've had the autonomous car. They've had robots and UAVs. They have all sorts of different challenges. Um, this one, they have a $2 million grand prize for the completion of the cyber spectrum challenge. And the idea is, um, you know, a very basic down, you know, my kind of level idea is how do you make it so that instead of having bandwidth carved up that says from 144 megahertz to 148 megahertz is U.S. ham radio operation, how do you take away those limits and say that cell companies can work on 144, hams can work at 850 megahertz and kind of get rid of the idea of, you know, this blocked off section of spectrum for everyone and let it work together and not interfere with each other, mm -hmm. but also allow for prioritization of different signals. Well, now that's getting pretty deep, especially when, uh, when you're thinking – uh, it's kind of a use it or lose it kind of thing with amateurs. We've seen it happen with two, uh, 220 megahertz band. Uh, that would probably scare a lot of people off, but I understand what you're saying. is uh, That's where the digital kind of comes in and makes things so much easier because it is so much smaller, and you can kind of spread it around, for lack of a better term there, to really be able to kind of get your money's worth out of the entire, uh, entire frequency, the spectrum there. Yeah, exactly, and that's... That's kind of the idea. You know, they're not designing these challenges for, you know, the 700,000 ham radio operators. Yeah. They're designing it for all these Internet of Things devices, you know, your water meter, your electric meter that are going to hook back into the network. Everyone that has a cell phone or a smartwatch or a tablet that are getting onto the network, uh, your Wi-Fi in your house, you know, there's so many frequencies um, that are trying to use a lot of bandwidth, way more than, you know, our 12 kilohertz of audio, um, that if we don't start thinking about it now, we're going to be in a world of hurt, you know, come to the future. So uh, that that spectrum challenge is something, you know, some of your listeners should really look into if they haven't heard about it. Uh, they've devised what they call the Coliseum, and it's built with a bunch of Edis uh, radios, the X300 series, and they're going to be able to simulate 256 channels uh, simultaneously and you know your device has got to go in there and be able to you know communicate between different devices and then they'll throw up a, a spurious channel and you got to auto negotiate away and it's <laughs> it's pretty uh and then there is even uh there is even talk of you know two competitors go in and those two competitors have to be able to negotiate with each other as well and not just the environment around them so wow that was very high level um stuff yeah, I'd say. I'd say. Gerald, can you stick around for another segment with us? Absolutely. Okay, guys, we'll be back in just a minute. It's KF5JNU, Gerald Wilson from Oklahoma with Kale. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Ham Radio 360 Podcast. 
So if you're looking for some Kenwood gear, let me encourage you to visit with my friends at mtcradio.com. Main Trading Company started in a front room of a house, moved out into a garage. Now they're into their third building in Paris, Texas, along with a post office, guys. If you're looking for amateur radio gear, Kenwood amateur radio gear, whether it's a single band handy talkie, the new tri-band handy talkie, maybe it's a flagship base station for HF, they've got it all and everything in between. You need to check them out, mtcradio.com. Let them know that Kel from handradio360.com sent you. Seriously, if you have some money to spend, at least give them an opportunity to earn your business. You will not be disappointed. Visit my friends for all of your Kenwood gear at mtcradio.com. Back with Gerald K of 5J and you, you know, but before we go further, uh, Gerald is actually what, uh, what I like to call text support. Uh, I don't really have a tech support. Well, I do with Dave Jackson school of podcasting. Uh, but my text support is my buddy Gerald and he's always there, uh, whether he's driving down the road, pulling over to the side to help me try to get a raspberry pie running or something. I've always got text support with KF5 JNU and, uh, Gerald, you've been a great supporter of the show. Uh, really one of the, uh, the guys behind the curtain pushing as we began, uh, getting the cart rolling over two years ago. So thank you for that. I just want to say it in front of everybody. Appreciate you, man. Well, thank you, Kale. Did did you think it would be sixty some odd shows two and a half years later? Now running a secondary side show that's just banging out great content. Did you think we'd do this? Did you think we'd be here? You know, Kale. I'm. I thought this is some old backwoods South Carolinian that's <laughs> will have a problem finding his microphone. And then the other day when we were talking about your downloads, I was uh, I was shocked in the fact that you know I was a part of helping you get it up, like you said. But then on the other hand, after listening to a number of shows, uh, you've definitely got the, got the game under control. So uh, at first, yeah, I was a little surprised. But after the first couple episodes, I knew it was going to go someplace. <laughs> well, thanks, man. We appreciate, you. we appreciate your help. Gerald's been helping on multiple different levels. And uh, from encouraging to financing, he's, he's been there with us. And, dude, I just really appreciate you. And, yeah, I am just an old backwoods southern boy from South Carolina. But we're having fun doing what we're doing. And, and I want to talk about you having fun doing what you're doing. Guys, Gerald has, like, one of the most awesome jobs of anybody that works in amateur or, or that plays with amateur radio. He kind of gets to use that for his job. Now, we can't talk about his job necessarily here on the program, but uh, we can – at least acknowledge the fact that you are able to use your amateur you really got got where you are in your work by starting in amateur radio but you've grown and and built an affinity for software defined radios tell us a little bit about because i'm just the guy that's got the plug-in dongle and the uh, adsb filter look at that every once in a while but you live eat and breathe sdrs man tell tell somebody that's out there that may have a desire to learn about sdr radio how to uh, or what to, or what they're missing by not being there. Give them a little taste of what you're doing. The job is is pretty cool. It's it's not as fancy as you may think, but uh, I do get to play with radios, so that's always a good day. Um, but yeah, so a lot of what I do is, you know, it's how do uh, how do I look at spectrum and you know see signals. So uh, if you're if you're getting interference from someplace, if your repeaters have an interference. How do you easily identify that interference? You know, it used to be that you would tune on a radio and uh, tune around and listen for some static, but were you quite sure if that was static or intermo? You don't have to do any of that with SDR. So with SDR, um, the biggest advantage is being able to see the spectrum in front of you. So 
once you once you kind of get into the world, there's there's so many different ways that you can go. You mentioned ADSB. That's a that's usually a, a good starter for people. You know, throw up an ADSB. There's pre-compiled uh, packages. It's pretty plug and play. Um, but some other projects that I really like is one called RTL underscore Power. And in fact, when you install the RTL SDR drivers, uh, it's installed on there. And what it does is it takes that RTL that Jeremy and I talked in episode 51 about, that $20 USB dongle, and it scans frequencies. And so that dongle will cover from you know, about 25 megahertz to about 1.2 gigahertz. And so it scans those frequencies, and then it starts over. And it does that you know, rapidly. And it dumps it all into a, a CSV file, uh, you know, like an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And then you pipe that through an imaging program. And what that does is it builds a heat map. It builds like your waterfall. But you can run this for hours or days or even weeks and build a a waterfall of the spectrum around you. So every time um, you know I go someplace new or something, I I throw that on there and just kind of look around. And it's fun because you can see the repeaters and you can see, you know, run, you know, right there in that 140 megahertz, you can see what channels uh, the repeaters are set up on. Every now and then you can see somebody talking on the input uh, aircraft. You can see which frequencies the aircraft in your area are for, uh, you know, there's Unicom, which is kind of your, your standard, hey, I'm about to turn left here. There's no one in the way. Uh, you can see what those are around you. And it's just a really good way to kind of build essay about what's in your environment. Um, well, you know, well, let me stop you there because we have some listeners who are very interested in what's going on where they live outside of what they're aware of. That, that would sound like to me it would be an ideal way to, to, to learn all those things about what's going on around you when you're asleep, when you're at work. Uh, what you're missing, and and where you can go and find some of this stuff. Let's say on your day off, or you know you, you you're off on the weekend. Now you know where to go. You, you basically you, you just mapped your terrain. That's what you said. Is is that exactly what you're doing? You're just mapping what's out there. Exactly. Yeah. You're you're getting an idea for uh, what's around you because what so say somebody goes and throws up a GMRS repeater around you without going to radio reference or tuning through or maybe you know you're. Uh, they're operating at nighttime when you're asleep, and you don't know it, but you know you're getting some weird interference on stuff. You can go out and throw one of these up, and you can see. And it's you know it's time stamped and it's frequency, uh, you know it's in the frequency. So you look and you say, man, every night at eight or nine o'clock, somebody's coming up on this frequency. And one of the um, there was even a really good post on RTLSDR of a common uh, a mutual acquaintance of ours that wrote a script that plugs into that that when it sees uh, signal on one of those frequencies that you've predetermined, you know, say your, your local repeater, mm-hmm. when it sees a signal there, it automatically tunes a second dongle to start recording audio from that. Huh, kind of like the close call on your, uh, on the old scanners. That's pretty sweet, man. Can, can, can we get those links to make sure we have them in our show notes for our folks to check out? Absolutely. We'll put them in the doobly doo below. There you go. There you go. Cool stuff. So I didn't want to stop you there, but I just wanted to uh, verify for myself, but at the same time, make sure folks knew what you had just said. Uh, what are some other things that you like to play with with your SDRs? So probably the thing that's uh, occupying the most of my time right now is digital radio. Um, D-Star, I just bought a, a ID51D from Richard down there at Main Trading Company. And this is probably the first radio that I bought 
and immediately, or I don't want to say immediately didn't have buyer's remorse, but I bought the radio and within 12 hours, somebody told me, oh, Ham Radio Outlet has them on sale for this price. And I had no buyer's remorse and was making other people have buyer's remorse. <laughs> so that was pretty good. You got a really good deal but, on that one. Yeah, that was, uh, he did us right. Um, but the, so that was, and that's my first D-Star handy talkie. I've, I bought the 7100 for my truck mostly because it is all band, all mode. Um, not so much for the D-Star. So he had this little D-Star handy talkie on sale. So it's, it allowed me to start playing more with D-Star. Um, I've got plenty of DMR radios and some P25. So I've got a gambit of different digital radios and without going out and buying something like, a unit in Home Patrol or a Whistler TRX-1 or uh, a number of different, you know, four or $500 plus scanners, uh, I want to be able to listen to those radios or those repeaters that are on those types of networks. And GNU Radio and the Linux Radio stuff has software out there, one of which is called DSD, Digital Speech Decoder. And it allows you to take that digital audio and pipe it through it and you get analog voice out of it you can see the call signs you can see the you know like in d-star the repeater pass and stuff that it's taken um and all that's once again done with a a 20 dollar dongle and a little bit of time configuring the software so (laughs) it's it 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 lets you you know get into something uh there's stuff out there Uh, one is uh when i was in nevada they clark county has the they have a p25 system but it's p25 phase two which where I'm at, we're uh, we're on a old analog system, so I don't get to play with much P25 Phase Two stuff. So I got out there and got excited and uh, installed a program called OP25, which is built on the GNU Radio platform, and it does trunk following and demodulation of P25 Phase Two. And if you look for any other device that does that, uh, you're looking at spending five six hundred dollars for a scanner, and even some of the scanners aren't capable of doing, you know, trunk following on a P25 Phase 2 system. So so what we're basically telling here, folks, is that uh, you can fill your your uh, your shack full of scanners, or you can fill it full of uh, Raspberry Pis running some SDR dongles hooked up to maybe a couple of disc cone antennas or maybe even sharing a disc cone antenna through 75-ohm cable and, and just a uh, just a breakout but either way i mean it's out there and it's uh, it's just waiting for you to number one buy the gear to have the understanding patience or friend who can help you understand it and then just making it happen yeah there's there's i know i don't want to run too long but there's two more projects that i want to mention yeah go ahead project the first one uh, i actually got to meet the author of this at the GNU radio conference uh great ham named lewis he's up in kansas uh, he designed a program called Ham Tumon, and what it stands for is Ham, like Ham Radio, a two-meter monitor. And he built it so that he could set an SDR from 144 to 148. Now, he's not using the, the $20 RTL. He's using a little bit fancier SDR. But he can set it on there, and without knowing any frequencies in the area, it can auto, or you know simplex or repeaters inputs outputs it doesn't matter it automatically sees the signal and demodulates it so you're thinking oh that's cool i've got a 1980 scanner that does that mm-hmm. well the difference is this program can run multiple demodulators at once so i've played around with running eight demod now, for eight you need a pretty decent laptop yeah um, but it runs eight demodulators, so eight people could be talking at the exact same time on two meters 
on frequencies that I have no idea what they are. And this software will identify those frequencies and record the audio on those frequencies and put it in a file for you. That's awesome, man. <laughs> that, that's, and so, that, that's the kind of stuff I, I, I really wish that I would spend more time doing because I really I like listening. You wouldn't know it to, to be around me, but I love listening as much as I do talking. Yeah, and that's most of my stuff lately has been just listening because I feel that you know I've grown so much from trying to figure out how to listen. I think it's made me a whole much better operator when it comes time to actually operate. Nice, nice. All right, you said you had one more. What is it? So the other program is uh, called the Iridium Toolkit. Now this is a, I don't want to say more advanced because the software is pretty easy to use, um, but you're dealing with Iridium, which is you know around 1500 megahertz, 1.5 gigahertz, and what it's doing is the Iridium constellation is a group of satellites that provide text and phone uh, service to the ground. It's used for everything from people text messaging in the backwoods to uh, aircraft positions to military stuff. Well, this group of guys have made what they call the Iridium Toolkit that allows you to receive a bunch of those messages and even, uh, in some cases, the voice. And it's, you know, when you think about this, and I've seen this uh, talk given not only at the Gnu Radio Conference, but at a couple other conferences I've attended. And the speaker, it always cracks me up because they, he puts up a slide from the actual Iridium documentation and it says, due to our complex signal algorithms, this intercept of these signals would be extremely hard for anyone except for the most determined adversary. <laughs> or a guy and, with uh, an SDR. Or a guy with a $20 SDR and uh, some free software. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, we'll have these links. Don't forget, all of, every show we do, we have our links in the show notes. And that's at hamradio360.com. Gerald, th- that that's... Wow. See, even though we talk all the time, I still didn't know about that. He probably doesn't tell me that because he said, Kel's not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to waste my breath telling him because he's just going to say, well, I wish I could and not do it. So That's okay, we'll bro. We'll get you set up, Kel. <laughs> what I have running is because of, of Gerald's help there. So, dude, thank you for coming on, sharing with us about uh, just, just a little bit about the GNU Radio uh, conference you got to attend. I know that was a lot of fun. You were out there with some friends, which has got to be cool as well to catch up with those guys. And uh, just just loving life, having a great job, getting to be back home—that's got to be cool. And uh, not having to shave every day—is that—is that really? Now, see, I, I, I've never served, so having not served, shaving is kind of here or there to me. But is it cool that you don't have to shave every day now? Yeah. So uh, it's start the the news starting to wear off, and the old's coming through. So uh, <laughs> I was actually sitting there today thinking about. Going to the barber and trimming it up pretty good. Yeah. Well, it won't be long. It'll still not shave every day. Yeah. It'll it'll may it'll maybe cool off a little bit in the next four to six weeks, and it'll make it a little more bearable. So, um, either way, we appreciate you coming on, man. It's great to catch up with you, and uh, we, we still have some more SDR stuff to cover. We made promises to the listeners, so we do need to get Jeremy, George, and Gerald back on the show together to make sure we can uh, finish up those obligations. Are you enjoying the uh, the workbench show? Yeah, um, I, I was the first, uh, what was it, the second episode, I think, where they were talking about hand tools. Yeah. That 
that ended up getting Jeremy about 10 text messages from me saying, oh, this is my favorite pair of pliers. Oh, this is a great flashlight. Oh, this is a great multimeter. So Great I'm minds sure think alike. Best. Yeah, yeah. Great minds think alike. Gerald, it's great to have you on, man. It's college KF5JNU. You, you won't really find him doing much on social media. Uh, that's okay because what you see from us has had – he's had his hands in it and on it. So either way – Gerald's got a connection here with us with the show. We appreciate you, man. Thanks again for your service, and uh, great having you on. Can't wait to have you back on again. Awesome. Take care, Kale. Thank you so much for coming by, Gerald. Thank you, George and Will. Appreciate all of you sharing with us about the great hobby we all know and love, ham radio, amateur radio, whatever you want to call it, hashtag ham R. You know, it's it's however you want to describe it. Hey, don't forget hamradio360.com. We've got all the show notes there as well as links to other pages, other providers. Uh, there may be somebody out there that you're not aware of. We hopefully have them linked, and make sure you check that one out. In addition to that, let me just encourage you to, uh, if you see them or if you know them, tell them thank you. We've got some uh, Patreon supporters here, Brett, Andrew, Alan, Donald, and Kenneth. Those are folks who have taken their money out of their pocket and put it into the program themselves. So a special thank you to them. If you'd like to know more, there's a Patreon there's a Patreon link on the right-hand side of the page, hamradio360.com. It's the big letter P. It's kind of an orange color. You can learn more there if you'd like to help support the show. We really appreciate you listening, sharing, uh, all those things you do on social media. That's great. And, and encouraging other people to come into the hobby and using the podcast to help them grow their interest in it. I, I'm just befuddled, astounded that we're still here doing this after two and a half years. But I appreciate the opportunity and look forward to being back with you next time. But I'm going to go now because I'm, I'm running out of music. And I just want to say, I hope you all have a great day. Thanks again for your time. God bless you. And we'll catch you next time. 73, y'all. Thank you for listening to Ham Radio 360, brought to you by mtcradio.com. For more information about the program, visit hamradio360.com. Till next time, 73s, y'all.